everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Social Good Podcast. Today we have with us Iris Guo. She is the founder and CEO of Nutrify and also the product management intern at Google X, the Moonshot Factory. Thanks so much for joining us, Iris. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, I'm like, so happy that you're here with us today. Um, could you maybe do like a quick and in, quick intro and like background uh, and what you're what you're currently working on and, and your challenges these days? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm currently working on Nutrify, which is my food sustainability startup. And how we got started was more of uh, me wanting to do something in the food space because I previously uh, worked on a food related nonprofit and then also combining with my passion for climate change. And I've always known that climate change was a huge thing um, ever since that I was, so I was born and raised in China for a number of years. And then during those time, I've seen kind of like how air pollution has done a huge impact to people's life, that people have to wear a mask whenever they go out. So I wanted to um, tackle climate change in the food perspective. So what we're doing is that um, initially, I guess I had this light bulb moment when um, I was looking at, when I, when I was shopping at a, a store um, and then trying to fit, find out their calorie counts uh, when I was reading labels and then realized that how come we don't have labels for sustainability? So what if I could create a green label for people to read carbon footprint count as well and yeah. understand the energy input to create the food. So that's basically what Nutrify is doing. Um, we are creating the green label for food online so that whenever you're shopping for groceries, we show you the carbon footprint, water usage, land usage of a food during their production. And I think a lot of people, well, I guess, speaking of challenges, a lot of people would ask me, do you include transportation in your um, in your calculation? And what people don't know is that transportation is only 2% of the carbon footprint like life cycle for food because the majority of it really just comes from production. So, which is why we don't include transportation, but I think um, we, we really want people to understand that sometimes like a banana coming from Ghana could be way better than like beef that comes from local farm. So mm. basically um, that's the, um, a lot of like information gap. That's what we're trying to educate people on and let them understand that um, what does food sustainability even mean? How do you quantify that? And then putting that into terms with let's say like the trip, your car, your car need to drive or um, some other, other relevant terms that they understand instead of something as abstract as carbon footprint. So yeah, that's what we're working on at Nutrify. And at Google X, I'm on the um, Everyday Robot Project. So it's also been quite interesting. Okay. Um... So like, you know, just touching on like what you've told us about Nutrify so far, um, are you guys, you know, uh, what are what are the ways that you guys are bringing this to the market? Um, do you guys have 
an app out or what's like the progress so far? Yeah, for sure. So we do it through browser extension. We thought about apps, we thought about website, but then figure that the easier that it is we can make for the user experience, the better. Uh, for browser extension, you just need to install it once and then every time you shop online, it will just show up automatically. So that would achieve kind of like the automotive user experience. Um, and then I will say our progress so far, well, I started it during January this year. So it's been around five months. Mm -hmm. And when I first started, I, I, I think it's just going to be like a few people. It's going to be a side project. Like we're just going to work on this with a bunch of climate activists. And then I went to um, probably mm -hmm. over 10 competitions and hackathons and won around five of those. And so we, we have some funding and we're able to use those for development costs. Um, and then our team expanded rapidly. So from like a hand of, handful of people in the beginning um, with me and a couple of folks from the hackathon. And now we have um, over 60 people who are working on this project. So our team also expanded from just <laughs> me being only PM to now like a team of PM working on different features. So it's definitely, it's definitely quite interesting to see the team expand and then um, starting to structure and thinking, okay, how do I build the team in a way that people are comfortable and that they feel welcome? So yeah, it becomes more of a management challenge for me and um, more of a leadership challenge because mm -hmm. now that I have the talents and um, they're all in eight, nine different teams. And my job is to make sure that they understand what they're working for and uh, what kind of things will help them achieve their personal goals as well. Yeah, that sounds super exciting to have, you know, to have like, uh, I think it's said, uh, how many people are on your on your team right now, currently? Uh, around 60. Okay, yeah, um, I think I think I saw that on, on Nutrify's LinkedIn page as well. Um, it must be exciting to have so many people, you know, working working on your team. Um, you know, uh, I was kind of wondering, like, I, I looked through Nutrify's, uh, you know, product, you know, uh, product and like website, and, and it had some, some presentations about, you know, um, possibly partnering with like DoorDash or, or, uh, you know, such like, uh, such like different, different partnerships. What's like your development on that? And, and where, where are you guys at currently? So our main partnership that we are seeking for are going to be with um, grocery stores and also sustainable food startups. So for grocery stores, because eventually we want to scale up our solution by integrating our solution as an API to grocery stores so that anyone who shop at this certain grocery store, they will be able to see these are the food carbon footprint. So we're not there yet, um, but that's where we're hoping to go. And um, we really just want this solution to be widespread and be mm -hmm. a, it, be, it will become normal one day, just like how calorie label once was unregulated and then the government put a rule in and then everyone sees that as a normal thing now. So I think sustainability should be the same way. Like people should care about sustainability as a 
and everyday education. So um, that's the first kind of partnership we're seeking for for grocery stores. And then the second one would be um, like the sustainable business who want to have more exposure and um, who also meet our criteria as being a sustainable business um, that are selling food products. So we we'll want to um, reach out to them and see if they would want us to give them more exposure once we are um, gaining more users and then we'll be able to give them a platform to promote their product. Um, and then I think lastly, we're probably also going to look for partnership with NGOs. Um, sometimes they, they also have um, like the same cause, like they're also solving for environmental crisis and then we can probably work together somehow. So yeah, and currently the partnership are still in negotiations. Nothing has been set in stone yet, but um, there are a few interesting partnerships coming up. Okay. Okay. What's like been, I don't know, what's like been the, the most challenging thing about, you know, working with your team and, uh, and, and working with Nutrify so far, I, I know it's still like relatively a new, you know, a, a new development. You've only been working on it for five months currently. Yeah, for sure. I think the most challenging thing as a founder of anything is to be focused in the beginning because there are just so many directions we can go down. Like we could go into um, the certification business, the um, consulting business to help other business to get more sustainable and um, certification for like green labels. And there are just like a lot of different ways we could do it, but we decided to go down the browser extension one because this is the one that allow us to break in the fastest and we can prove our concept um, before going into anything else. So we we basically needed to kind of like ruthlessly prioritize like what is it that we want to achieve and um, what is that one thing that we can do well and that's how we decided on the browser extension. So yeah, I think um, in the future though, I feel like once we are able to succeed at one thing, then that's where the scale up and expanding happens. And then we'll consider, okay, maybe we'll also expand to in-person shopping use case. And we could maybe um, create an app for that and people can scan a barcode and see the carbon footprint for different food. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think this idea just have multiple iterations that can achieve the same goal but just in different use case, different settings. And currently we're just focusing on the online shopping setting. Mm, okay. So what are like, when you do the, when you're, when you say you're working on the browser extension currently, um, how would that work in tandem, you know, together with uh, like different shopping sites or when, when people are doing their groceries, um, would it, would it be kind of like an AI that automatically like gives you, gives you like a blurb or more information on the on the product? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I can walk you through kind of the user flow for Nutrify. Um, first, you would need to download it at your, uh, we currently have Chrome and Firefox. So at either of the um, web extension, um, extension store. And then you um, 
you go to, so currently we support Instacart just because um, every grocery website, they have a different UI. So our extension will show up at different places. In the future, we'll probably expand to other stores as well. Um, but currently we do Instacart because they have multiple um, grocery stores within Instacart, like Walmart or TNT, like all, all these other stores. So um, when you go to Instacart, uh, when you're, while you're browsing, different kind of food items will show you. So we have like an ex internal database that has um, lots of the food items and matching to their carbon footprint. And uh, we're, we're hoping to show people uh, that these ones are like of, of like the sustainable um, green labels, like when they're mm -hmm. awesome. So like these ones are sustainable, these ones are not. Like give them a uh, rating with like number of leaves or something. And then once they, um, they're able to browse different products and then select the ones that has the more more leaves or just select any product and then they can go into the product detail page. So we're kind of like honey for sustainability. Like honey, we will have a square on the right of your screen. When you click on it, it will expand into a full page of um, information about this specific product. So it includes um, breakdown for all the sustainability metrics, including um, carbon footprint, water usage, land usage. And then um, if people are interested, they can also look into the nutritional factor. So like how, what percentage of it is fat, what percentage of it is protein. Um, and so that we're hoping to align people with their health consciousness as well. And mm -hmm. because people who eat meat more are actually, um, more prone to some like heart disease and it, it all depends on like the frequency you eat it. So um, yeah, we wanted to make people aware of that as well. And then lastly, we'll show them some recommendation. Um, for example, if they're choosing beef right now, uh, and if we know from um, their past purchase history that they are a meat eater. Um, so I, will, I guess we'll suggest them to either Buy less meat so so that they can eat from they can change from like eating meat every day of the week to eating meat um, two to three times a week and then we'll also suggest lower carbon footprint meat so for example chicken or fish would be um, much more environmentally um, friendlier than than beef so yeah after they select the product and then put it into their shopping cart um, well, at the shopping cart page, we'll show them a breakdown of all the carbon footprint of all the products and then show them that. Okay, so this is the total. Do you want to um, offset the carbon footprint? And if they do, they can offset it. And then going to um, the final checkout page and they will be like, yeah, mm -hmm. so this is how much you've saved for, for this um, carbon neutral purchase. Would you like to share it to social media? So yeah, that's the entire process. Okay, so it has like a social component too, which is like, you know, pretty, pretty large component in, in a lot of like the new, newer startups coming out these days. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm wondering like, you know, um, where, where do you guys like uh, source all of that information uh, on the carbon footprint and like nutritional value of, uh, and, and like, um, and repercussions, repercussions of, of like the different uh, food items? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So we are essentially a data business, um, meaning that data accuracy and performance and coverage um, would be very important for us. Um, and for, for that, we do a couple of things. Like first we will do um, data collection ourselves on the web. And then second is reading PhD papers, um, look at their life cycle assessment, and then seeing how uh, those items match to different regions. So we'll take data from there. And in the future, we're also hoping to build like a scraper that will be able to scrape some, some mm -hmm. of the academic sites and then collect data that way faster. So that's the current approach. Um, I guess all of those halves, like all of those data, um, they have some public database that we can look at. And we're kind of like referencing the data we collected with the public data and then ensuring that we can be as accurate as we could. Mm -hmm. So currently you guys are like doing it uh, more manually and then you guys will um, like pivot to uh, to like uh, like more algorithm-based model. Correct? Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so do you, are you guys like, I think I meant when I, when I said DoorDash earlier, I think I meant, uh, Instacart, um, are you guys like in talks with Instacart or like, are you guys working with them currently? So the benefit of being a browser extension is that we don't need to really talk to the website to work with them. Um, if you know how browser extension work, it's basically like, it would just pop up on top of the page and that's not, it's, it's like Honey, like Honey is not necessarily working with all the brands, but it still can show up. So um, I guess in the future when we're big enough and when we have, when we want to like actually get integrated into Instacart's shopping journey, then we could, but so far we're not. Okay. Oh, that's interesting that it's like on top of you know, um, Instacart, because I think Instacart is an app, no? Instacart is a website. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, um, I think, you know, browser extensions are, are becoming more popular these days as well. Um, so I think that that is like a great way to approach, um, you know, providing sustainability, like information and option for consumers. Uh, what like, yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about like, um, you know, lessons that you've learned from your previous roles? I know you've had, you know, a lot of different roles from like um, doing like a product management, uh, you know, uh, internship at BlackBerry to career coaching to working for uh, venture capital. Uh, how, is, how have those roles kind of like helped you in, in your current and what you're doing right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely have explored a lot of different roles. Um, so I study finance, which means I started my career journey in a lot of finance roles, um, including capital markets. So on a trading floor, um, that role taught me to really work in a fast-paced environment and how to perform during very stressful times. Um, and then I worked in private equity. Um, that role I think it taught me to work with uh, multiple stakeholders because whenever we're we're working on um, like approving a deal, they're always involved 
so many different people, like from accounting, legal, um, the other side, and then the company that we're buying or selling. So um, that was pretty interesting. And then those skills that definitely helped me in my PM roles. And then for venture capital, um, that was where I was exposed more to tech because I was talking to startup day in and day out. And then hearing all those founder story was um, actually very interesting, just like how, how passionate they are towards their startup. And then I can see that building really give them joy. So that was when I um, started to seriously consider tech as a career. And I consider myself more of a builder as well, that I enjoy building and I want to create value instead of just creating value from investing. Um, that was when I decided to shift from VC to um, product management. And then starting in PM, I mean, the first few PM gigs was more like working at startups and um, really just scrappy and trying to create value for, for the startup because we're all, the first two startups I work at were very small. Um, in terms of people, there we're, we're probably like under five people. So <laughs> it's just like me and a founder and a few other folks. So mm -hmm. it was basically just doing everything and then um, understanding what new features the customer needs. Um, and after that, I worked in work at OpenMill and OpenMill was the first nonprofit I ever worked at. So it definitely opened up my eyes in terms of how social impact and tech can be integrated together. Um, and we started because we wanted to solve two main problems. First was the food insecurity problem for a lot of people during COVID. Um, and that was caused by the record high unemployment rate. And a lot of families are, are going to sleep hungry. And the second one was um, also 50% of the restaurant closing down during COVID. So it was it was definitely a huge hit on um, kind of like family-owned businesses, and those are the ones that we're targeting, and um, also with a focus on Asian American as well, because that was how that was how the discrimination started for a lot of people not going to Asian American um, restaurants because they they think they will have COVID. So yeah, it was a mix of a few different kind of problems we're, we're trying to solve. And then uh, we came up with a three-sided marketplace of us raising funds to give to the restaurants. And then the restaurants can provide free meals for people in need. And all of these kind of like activities happen on our platform. So restaurants will be able to check the orders on our platform and um, the customers can basically book meals on our platform, which is similar to booking meals on Uber Eats. It's just that when they have credits, um, they don't need to pay for themselves. So that's the, I mean, learnings from Oatmeal definitely, there was a lot. Um, and I think the main ones are probably um, first, like understand where your customers are at. Um, I, I remember the first week when we first launched the, the website, and we didn't have a single user sign up. So um, I was definitely panicking. I was like, I thought people would love to have free meals. And um, how come no one signed up? So then we started to like 
think about, okay, who are the people we're actually targeting who are losing job during this time? So after reflecting on that, um, I thought of like, okay, maybe we should target like economy workers, like Uber drivers, Airbnb hosts, if that's their only income source. So um, I started reaching out on like Uber driver, um, Facebook groups, and then we started gaining a lot of traction after that. Um, so did you guys spend any advertising dollars? No, we actually didn't. Oh, oh actually, we, I think we have some member working at Facebook. So we got some free credits from Facebook. But other than that, I think most of the advertising are done um, pretty organically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we also, I also learned a lot about fundraising, just like how difficult it could be. But then um, we took a lot of like creative approach in fundraising, like hosting events, um, having influencer to host events with us, and then <laughs> having a merchandise store online. So yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, also working with uh, a community of um, people who care about Asian Americans. So um, yeah, I think the main learning there is probably just how important mm -hmm. having a social impact focus in your business is. Because when everyone understands that what they do is contributing to a social good, um, mm -hmm. they're way more passionate and they are, they're prone to like contribute more at work and then they just want this thing to exist because it, it's a cause that they care about. So mm -hmm. what yeah. Was Open Meal targeted at, you know, restaurants in the Asian American community specifically? So that's what we started with, yes. Um, and then later on, I think after probably like a few months, we realized that all restaurant industries are hit pretty heavily. So we opened it up to um, restaurants owners of um, or like most of the races. So it's not, I mean, yeah, it's not Asian focused anymore right now. We're just like focused on family-owned restaurants that were hit um, heavily. But to start with, yes, we're focused on only Asian restaurants. Okay, and then you guys later expanded to like other other regions as well. Um, as far as like the influencers that worked with you guys at Open Meal, you know, were they, um, were they like volunteering their, their time and efforts or, or uh, were they, you know, um, that, that they have to be compensated as well, even though it's like a kind of like a nonprofit tech. Yeah, um, actually, we, we got a lot of support from influencers, um, especially Asian influencers who are definitely passionate about our cause. And then we also have influencer in the in the restaurant industry who mm -hmm. would um, either donate to us or they would yeah, they will just help us for no cost. So that was definitely um, very appreciative from our side, just like seeing how, like how willing to help people are, especially during the pandemic. Yeah, that's like definitely good to see. Uh, any names that, that I might know or any ones that, uh, that you guys particularly enjoyed working with? Um, so we had a few uh, pretty big shout out from Jonathan and Jerry from One Salting. So they're they're being uh, French and um, they're pretty big on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, all those um, social media. So 
uh, that was really helpful. And a few other, I believe, like San Francisco focused industry influencer that um, can't recall the name right now, but they're pretty big on like YouTube and all these other platforms. Okay, yeah, that's like super encouraging to see actually that that they'd be willing to just like volunteer their their time and like efforts to, you know, to helping out like a cause for like a social cause. So, uh, yeah. Um, so what you know, where where are you based, Iris? Um, are you based in Canada or um, are you in the states? Yeah, I'm based in Canada. Um, in like Toronto. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I like uh, I've been to Toronto like once I think in my high school career and like I uh, I every time I go to Canada I just like really love it so I have you know I definitely have like an affinity to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Yeah um so like can you tell me a little bit about like you know how has COVID affected you uh, personally or like you know how how has how have you been dealing with like remote work? Um, and how, how does it affect like, you know, working with your team at Nutrify? Mm -hmm. um, it definitely has, I mean, I think it has pros and cons. Like the pro is that I get to work with people from so many different countries. Like people at Nutrify are from 12 different countries. And that means I no longer need to like limit, oh, where do you live? Like that, that is not even a question um, for, for the talents. So I think that um, really allowed me to see a global perspective from just like how people from different countries will think of things and sometimes will spark very interesting conversations. So I, I really do appreciate that, that diversity um, of culture and perspectives. And I guess um, the cons are that, of course, I, I definitely do um, do, wish there are more like in-person human interaction but i think i connect pretty well with people online as well so it's not like a huge problem for me um and one difficult thing would be just like trying to find time to meet because we're our team span across so many different time zones mm -hmm. and i think i learned that usually um 11 a.m est is like the one time that works for a global community. So if <laughs> anyone is trying to find time, that's that's what I learned from experience. Oh, okay. Yeah, like um, working across different time zones is like, you know, definitely a challenge. Um, yeah, like myself personally, I like surprisingly, like um, I've, I found that I've like enjoyed working from home or like, you know, remotely so that I don't have to be uh, I don't have to be in like one location. I'm currently actually in Seoul, um, that Seoul, Korea, oh, wow. where, yeah, where my family is. And like, I'm able to connect with people, like not only in, you know, uh, directly in like the, the East Asia region, but also like all over the world, whether it's like Australia or, um, or like the States or like, you know, Canada. So that's, that's been like um, something that I, yeah, I like that enjoyed more than I thought I would anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Kudos to that. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely see you, you know, ha you have this like passion for like um, bringing more information to, to consumers when they're 
you know, when they're, uh, when they're buying like groceries or like foods, um, you know, how do you, how do you see that, like that industry going forward? Um, like what, what part do you hope to play in that? So I do believe that, um, More consumer awareness. I get like when you think about it, everything around you are created somehow, right? We we live in such an industrial world this day, and everything that are created have environmental impact. Whether it's the houses, your car, um, the chair you're sitting on, the laptop you're using, the table, like all of these things that are around you, um, they were created in an industry. I mean. It, somehow so i think um it's going to be a trend that people will care more and more about how like how things come from and um it's really about like raising consumer awareness um and for us we are in the food segment and i chose food because i really believe that food is an overlooked sector in the fight against climate change because everyone eats food three times a day. Like you don't consume anything else more frequent than food. But then people usually just buy the same thing or like they don't care as much about whatever they're buying. Um, and, and I think like food is also the second highest industry like agriculture wise um, con that's contributing to carbon footprint uh, right after energy. So that itself speak to how much impact food is having on our um, global warming situation, mm -hmm. which is why we're focusing on educating people about food. And mm -hmm. I think Nutrify definitely has a role to play in that, in that we're trying to, we're, that's exactly what we're doing in like trying to educate um, consumers about carbon footprint of food mm -hmm. and what they can do um, as an actionable insight to help reduce that. Do you know the percentage of carbon footprint that food has globally? On um, I believe it's around um, twenty percent. Okay, and that's the second leading leading impact on on carbon footprint. Yeah, so I haven't checked the latest statistics for this year because mm -hmm. it changes every year. Um, but previously, it was around that range. Okay, and like you said, the first was energy. Is that like um, as far is that like buildings and like um, like energy from you know from uh, from like electric usage or? Well, energy includes a lot of things, right? Um, it, I I believe it, it probably includes like electricity, um, and then all of the of the source mm -hmm. of energy, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I think it's like super fascinating that you're trying to take on, you know, like the, the food food industry as, you know, as a means to, you know, kind of uh, reduce our carbon footprint because it's something that we do every day and it seemingly has like, you know, isn't such a big deal, but it actually has like a very tangible impact on our environment. And um, it's something that we, you know, most people do like two, three times a day, you know, have, have two, three meals a day. So if everyone 
like contributes to that, whether it's like just, uh, it doesn't have to be every meal, but if it's like one meal a day or like a couple meals a week where we're reducing our carbon footprint, it can, I, I can only imagine like, you know, the, the type of impact that has. Yeah, for sure. Are there like certain foods that are better for the environment or um, like I I know meat is one that that can you know uh, reducing consumption of meat can definitely reduce you know carbon carbon footprint. Is there anything else that's like kind of like on the bad list for foods? Yeah, so there I guess there are a few concepts that people sometimes don't know is that first mm -hmm. um, eating local is good, but if if you don't care about the the kind of meat or um, the kind of food you're eating, it's not going to be as good as like changing your diet to vegetarian. Um, and I think, of course, vegetarian diet is good, but for people who are not able to contribute to like just eating all vegetable all day, um, they can either reduce their meat consumption or they can shift from red meat to white meat. Um, and that itself would be a huge impact because well, just like um, because of the way red meat animals are raised, um, they would usually have a lot higher um, environmental impact during that raising process compared to white meat. So, yeah, those are a few points that would be like the, the easiest for people to understand and then um, to carry through. And also, um, we also did research on dairy products. So milk is definitely the worst out of all the <laughs> dairy mm -hmm. beverages that you can consume. Um, there are almond milk, which consume a high amount of water, but then it is more um, sustainable in terms of carbon footprint. And then um, there's oat milk, which considerably it's, it's better compared to other dairy products. And I think like each milk has its pros and cons. Um, but I think if there's one thing that that's like more, that's like much better in carbon footprint and less on water usage, I, I'll say probably oat milk, it's something to go. Okay, yeah, oat milk is like a great, great like alternative. I, I think I tried it. Um like maybe a couple of years ago and I, I, I liked it personally. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of like your personal like goals going forward in, in like the next, I don't know, like um, four to six months? Um, so my personal goals, I would say, uh, well, for one, I, I definitely wanted to help educate more about um, sustainability. So we're we're going to um, we're hoping to reach a much wider audience than we currently have through just like social media marketing and content marketing and starting a newsletter and potentially starting a TikTok. So basically, being at the platforms where millennials and Gen Zs are at because these people will be the ones, uh, well, first of all, these are, these are people who um, contribute the majority of the climate activists and they will also be the one changing the future. So 
yeah, that's the first goal for Nutrify. And secondly, for myself, I, I mean, I'm currently a product manager intern, and I've always really enjoyed building products um, across my past few product experience. So I'll definitely continue on this path of being a product manager, and I'll probably need to start looking for full-time jobs um, starting next year. So yeah, that'll be a personal goal for me. And then lastly, I think whatever I do, I just want to make sure that I always have social impact in mind and do something that I care about, something that I'm passionate about, and continue my work with Nutrify and my fight against climate change. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, that's super awesome to hear. I think that, you know, um, that Nutrify, I checked out your social media and it's, you know, does a good job of trying to like evangelize the, the point of views that, that you mentioned. I can definitely see that coming through in your social media. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think, you know, COVID, uh, as it's coming to hopefully at an end in like the next year, I want to, you know, take advantage of it as much as I can to try to like have more like downtime and like, you know, reflect on my goals as well and, uh, and see, you know, where I can take, take, you know, uh, my startup as well, uh, which is a, a charity event startup called Bright On. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Iris. Uh, we definitely enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, you can, you know, everyone, for those of you that want to connect with Iris, she can be found on Twitter at, at Iris Guo, G-U-O-O. Uh, and I, I will drop links to uh, to Iris's website and Nutrify's website as well in the description. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Iris. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, for sure. Um, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, that's usually the platform that I use more. And okay. Instagram. So yeah, definitely very happy to be here and uh, hope you all the best for your startup. Thank you so much, Iris.